Oh, Luke chapter 2. Don't you guys miss Luke chapter 1 already? Man, we were there for like 11 weeks. I just could have, I could have, I could have stayed. We could go back. We could go back. I actually was looking at my notes from last week, and I actually threatened to stay there a little longer. I remember my closing comments were going to talk about John the baptizer. I was like, what was I thinking? We got to keep moving. And let me say this, okay? The whole of Scripture, what we're about to study, and some of you are super into it, you know, you guys are lock, stock, and barrel, ready to get taught, fed, edified, and get out there and save the lost. Others are here this morning kind of wondering, should, should I even be in church? Should I be a Christian? Should I do this? Is this the lifestyle I really want for me? Is this what I want? Let me just tell you about the Bible real quick. Okay, the whole of scripture, all of it, is a series of prophecies and fulfillments. It's a series of God saying it, and that settles it, and then we see it. Bottom line, period. Everything in the scriptures, God said, this is how it's going to go down, and everyone has a decision to make. Do I believe it? Do I receive it? Do I reject it? And God's like, I'm not asking for your opinion, your counsel, or your help. I'm telling you how it's going to be, telling you how it is. That settles it, and eventually we see it. Now, this is the scripture, so we have a whole bunch of stories and studies and scriptures to read. Here's the deal, though. The character of God is embedded and revealed in that very principle. God prophesies and declares, that settles it, and then eventually we see it. So too in your own life, right now, God is sovereign, supreme, in control, knows exactly what's going on, sees things you don't see, causes things you cannot cause, allows things you would never allow, because God sees the end from the beginning and says, no, this is good, trust me. And you sitting here today, I guarantee you, you have trust issues, okay? You have trust issues. You have opinion issues. I have an opinion about this, Lord. The way I see it, this is a big mistake. We, we do. And we, and we wonder and we squabble and we stress and we frown and our hair's gray and our face wrinkles and crinkles and we just get beat down by life, doesn't it? Yes. Just me? Just you, me, me, you and, me and Jan? Okay. The rest of you, I don't know what you guys are doing. Listen, in our story today, I'm going to read 20 verses, believe it or not. We're going to study 20 verses. <laughs> big talk, big talk. We'll see. Yeah. In the time of this story, it's one you've heard before. You've probably heard this story more than any other story out of the Bible. This is the Christmas story. It's, it's what we do. When it happened to them, all aspects of what was happening, guaranteed were uncomfortable, unwelcome, misunderstood, unappreciated, rejected, and horrible. All of them. I guarantee you. What I'm about to read, we, we crown and we cuddle and cling to this story and say, ah, oh, the Christmas story. <laughs> not them. Not then. No way. Everything was jacked up. Everything was wrong. Everything was twisted. And God says, well, I, I'm going to declare it and I'm going to do it and that's going to settle it. And I want you to see it. So then today in 2017, the house of God, the children of heaven, you too can go through your life and look to those stories from Genesis to Revelation when they were in real time, this is real time, and see how I pulled it off, see how I do what I do, even in the midst of stuff that's funky, uncertain, unfair. We're Americans, unfair is definitely not biblical. It's not, it's not biblical, but it's not fair. Something's wrong, somebody's sinning. Listen, yeah, it's true. So I'm going to read, then pray, and then preach. Here we go. Settle in. And it came to pass in those days 
that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, Gaius Octavius, his birth name, that all of the world should be registered. All the world, how could he declare what all the world should do? He's in charge of the whole world. Did you know that? The Roman Empire had consolidated forces and he now ruled the whole world. He made the Bible. He made the Bible. Verse 2. This census first took place while Quirinius was serving, or should I say, governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Sounds all poetic and beautiful. This is horrible. Taxation of the nations. Everyone go home. Everyone uproot, get out, go right to back where you were born. Where were you born? Say your state of birth and city. One, two, three, bend. We're all just men. Imagine if we all just got up and peeled. We'd be nuts. How many people would stay right in Newport? I made a good choice. You know, here I am. See at Starbucks. Everyone else is like, I'm out of here. <sighs> well, Joseph, verse 4, also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, is where he lived, into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He had to go home to Bethlehem. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Some of your translations say great with child. She's ready to pop. Verse 6. And so it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Oh, no. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Oh, sounds so cool. Why'd she do all that? Because there was no room for them in the inn. Okay, this wasn't the La Quinta inn. This wasn't the Ramada Inn. Even if there was room in the inn, it wasn't cool. You guys know that, right? I mean, maybe you don't know that. When you would go to a traveling city like this, even if it was your hometown, they had a specific area. It was called the inn, if you would, for travelers, for migrants, for animals. It was multi-leveled and layered. And there was little boxes and compartments for people to like lodge. It was free, complimentary or whatever, complimentary. But it wasn't cool. And even there was no room there. So they had to find a stable and luckily, after the birthday, we're in stable condition. <laughs> ha ha, dumb, don't do that again. Anyways, it's not cool. This, this stable, by the way, wasn't made of wood, okay, a little lean-to thatch. It wasn't like that with a little neon light so you could drive by and see them, you know. It wasn't like, this was a cave, okay, hewn out of rock. This was natural, it was gross, it was nuts, it was four animals, and they're like, hey, there's some room, quote-unquote, amongst the livestock, let's go in this stable, and she placed him in a manger, which was a feeding trough, again, not made of wood, there's no wood in Israel, okay, you're thinking of a, what would happen if you were in Oregon, let's build a house for these guys, no, these, there's rocks in Israel, so they use rocks, uh, let's just keep going, this is not a cool story, we think it's awesome, because we see the end, also, verse 8, now there were in the same country, same time, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid for a couple of reasons. As I pointed out, number one, an angel shows up, okay, when you're hanging out in the field. What were these guys doing out there? I guarantee you, not having holy prayer time and discussions of divinity. These are shepherds. And all of a sudden, an angel of God shows up, and they're like, hide the stuff, hide the stuff, or whatever. I guarantee you. You guys think, oh, the shepherds, they're so, you know. No. Mm -mm. Angel shows up. These guys are busted. Verse 10. Well, the angel said, hey, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring good tidings and great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day, today, right now, in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Very specific. Imagine if it wasn't so specific. There's a baby in Bethlehem. They would go to the birthing centers. 
Okay, they would go to the OBGYN clinic. They would go to the Ramada Inn. He says, no, no, it's in a manger, in a stable, wrapped in swaddling cloths. These are graves, clothes, linens. The whole thing's so intense. And he gives them this perfect picture of Christ born, Christ received in a cave, put in a manger of stone, wrapped in cloths. Did you know that when Christ died, he would be put in a cave, wrapped in swaddling cloths, set upon a stone? Exactly. It's crazy. All of this is messed up. Taxation. Caesar Augustus. Gaius Octavius, this belligerent, brilliant leader of the world. And the angels don't miss a beat. Angels don't miss a beat. They get it. They figured it out. They're watching. So they tell these shepherds, go look, go check it out. It's, 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 it's just, it's perfect. And suddenly, verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Did you know that the angels had seen all of creation go through all of its wars and craziness? And did you know that the angels who are watching even today, even today, the glorious rescue plan of God, the crazy mayhem of man. The angels have seen it all, war upon war, devastation upon devastation, and God sends his Savior, not on a white horse the first time, second time, yes, but the first time he sends him down as a baby, innocent, to both represent dignity and divinity and kingship where he rules and reigns forever. Jesus associates with the uttermost but then to send him as a babe born without room without anything without welcome in order that they would be announced to shepherds that he would not just represent the uttermost but the guttermost and the angels see this and they're like oh no oh no are you this is it this is the plan and they trip out glory to god in the highest in peace on earth they didn't see peace on earth it's in chaos. Can you imagine just the angels? Angels just watching what God's doing, allowing the flood and allowing chaos and rebellion and butchery and nonsense and the whole thing. And now with the angels, they get it. Oh, no. God's got it. And they begin to worship. And when you begin to understand that God's got it, okay, instantaneous worship begins. You know that, right? You, oh, God's got it. God's got it. It didn't erase all the chaos. As a matter of fact, the chaos would continue up until today. Today, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Okay, that, that peace on earth is within the hearts of men and women. There is still a lack of peace. There's still war and chaos. More than we'll ever even realize until we see what the angels saw. And yet the angels through the birth of Jesus freak out. That's it. That's it. That's the plan. Didn't see that coming. No one saw this coming. Yet again, the whole of Scripture is a series of prophecies and fulfillments. God says it, that settles it, and we see it. Your choice, your choice to believe it. Well, so it was, verse 15, when the angels had gone away from them back into heaven, in the Greek there, it implies that they just receded back into heaven, just singing and worshiping, bringing that worship back to the throne of God. That the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see the things that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. There's a response to the good news. Most of you know that. When God reveals to you the truth, you, got, you can't stay the same. You have to do something. You have to, you have to do something. It's a response point. It's, a, it's a, an action step. Whether it's raising your hand, getting prayed for, taking communion, 
disconnecting that service, saying no to that relationship, pursuing it in this way, whatever it is, there's a reason. When you get saved, things change, and it is legit. Okay, these guys went into the town of Bethlehem to look for Jesus, and when they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Just stop right there. And just If I don't get this far, I need to get this far right now. We love Mary. She's the mother of God. We see the whole thing. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Her whole life's legit. What's she doing right now? Holding baby Jesus saying, this is nuts. I don't really get it. These shepherds, I don't really, they, they tried to touch my newborn, you know, hey, can I hold your baby? Like, no, you can't hold my baby, weirdo. What's trying to do? Give me H1N1, swine flu, you shepherd, you know, whatever it is, or sheep flu. I don't know. Anyways, she's just holding on to this. She's, we, we think that she knows what's happening. We do. She's married. The angel told her. She gets it. She doesn't get a thing. She's pondering in her heart. She's like, this is all so much. I'm in Bethlehem. I didn't, what am I doing here? I want to be home with my mom and my dad. I had to dress this baby myself. I had to deliver. There's no help. No doctors. This is such a mess. Shepherds come and say, angels told us about your baby boy. We're here just to see. We're going to go tell everyone now. She's like, this is too much. It's too much. And yet we esteem this story. We celebrate it. We see it so vividly, so vividly. Oh, this is so good. And your life today, there's things that you do know, but there's a lot you don't know. I would say there's more that you don't know than you do know. There's enough that you do know to get you through what you don't know, okay? But there's more that you don't know than you do know, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So... She, she, I didn't know that either, yeah. It'll come out different in the next service, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> verse 20, in the last verse, I'm gonna pray and then get into the text. It says, then the shepherds returned. I love these guys. Glorify, there's no names given. These, I'm, I'm not kidding, historically, these guys, these guys would not be welcome in any circles. If someone said, hey, there's shepherds outside of your house right now, you would lock the doors. They, they were outcasts. And yet these guys were the ones who were told about the Christ, the Messiah. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told to them. Father, in Jesus' name now, as we study your word, that is the whole of Scripture being prophecy, a series of declarations and fulfillments, may we, Lord, here be encouraged, because I'll be the first to say, I just don't know the immediate future. I don't. But I do know enough to hold Jesus near to my heart and to ponder all these things like mer mer, to say we can do this. We can do, and nothing was good in her life at that time. It was all a mistake, all a mess. And yet, Lord, it was all so perfect and needed. And your character hasn't changed. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so right now in our lives, your character and your ways and what you're producing in us is exactly the same. And there's people here right now that have just enough to hold on to. And there's fear in their hearts for moving forward. And Lord, I want to release that, give it to you, and say, give us faith. May we trust in you for the outcome. May we trust you in the process. Lord, this baby that she would hold would only live for 33 years. That's not long enough in our opinion. It's not how we want our kids to go. 
That's not what we want. That's not how, it, that's not how it's supposed to go. And there's things in your life even today that aren't going to go your way. But if you're smart, you won't want your way. You'll want his way. And so, Lord, we worship you. Do with us what you please. We can't. We, we cannot tell the future or control it, but you do both. And so we give it to you recklessly. Be king, be God, be sovereign. Use the puppets of this day like you used Octavius, like you used this taxation. And Lord, use this time right now. Encourage us. Help me to speak, Lord, only the words that you want. Help me not to say anything dumb. In Jesus' name, amen. That's an honest pastor prayer right there. Help me not to say anything dumb. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 2 says, It came to pass. I like that verse. It came to pass. You know why? Because it didn't come to stay. It never does. It always comes to pass. In your life, it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. This isn't how it's always going to be. That is both in the good times and the bad times. In the days of your beauty and your blessing, did you know that it came to pass? Okay, be real. It came to pass. And did you know that in the days of your bummers and your trials and your beatings, it came to pass? It didn't come to stay. God's character is that he would walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we would fear no evil. Why? Because he's with us there. And we don't stay there. We go through valleys. Things come and things go, whether blessings or burdens. But you got to realize it didn't come to stay. It came to pass. As a matter of fact, this last 72 hours have been kind of intense. I got a text yesterday from a friend. It's one of those texts that's so long, you need a new data plan to read it. You know, you like call at and like, I got to open this one up, you know, and, and as, I'm not kidding, as I read it, it took me three reads through, and it was bummer, and it was, it was downright graphic and intense. I was like, whoa, this is miniseries stuff right here. This is intense. And I, as I thought, as I thought, how do, it'll pass. This too shall pass. I love you guys. You guys are fun. As I thought how to respond, honestly, that was my response. This too shall pass. This isn't your, your future. This is your now. This isn't how it's always going to be. The stuff that's happening right now that is so heavy and so hard to hear me preach over and so hard to deal with, it's not always going to be that way. It shall pass. Now, on the day before, Friday, that was yesterday, Friday I got in my car early, as early as I could, and I jammed over to Corvallis to the Samaritan Community Hospital. And I went over there and Janet Seavers is in the hospital and her oxygen levels are not healthy and producing difficulty in her breathing. And she's over there. You could pray for her. They're going to give her a real heavy round of steroids today and hope things turn around. And as I went there and prayed with her and, and, and then encouraged her and her husband and her daughter, I told her, I said, this too shall pass. This, this isn't the end. This isn't what it's going to be like forever. God has a plan, and he's given to you that hope. And I left that hospital and came right back to Newport. It was a sunny day, and I went right to the Lincoln County Jail. And I went in and saw two of our own, Justina and Jesse. They're there making some bad, poor life decisions. And I encouraged them. And after the jail time, I actually went to the Newport Hospital. And I visited there with Carol Corwin, one of our own as well. And Carol had gone through surgery that day and had removed most of the cancer, but not all of it. Not all of it came out. And so we worshiped, we prayed, and we cried. 
And after that, I actually went down the hallway. It was a busy visiting day, and I went down the hallway to Tyler and Tosh's room. They had just birthed little Riley Grace Smith, and she had just come out a couple hours earlier. And this whole spectrum of death and dying and fear and fighting and cancer and birthing. And as a matter of fact, when I was with Tyler and Tasha in their room, the last visit of the day, Tyler pointed out, he said, this is so cool. They've only been going to church here for less than a year. And he says, you've been able to marry us and bury us and now carry us. I did their wedding right here. And then later on, as life goes on, we did his mother's celebration of life. And then that day got to pray for his little baby daughter. And he just saw the full spectrum too. This young Christian, Tyler's probably watching right now. And as I went in every room and as I went every cell and as I went everywhere, I shared the same verse. I'll share it with you. It's the verse that you would share with Mary as she was traveling to Bethlehem. The verse you would share with somebody who's going through a hard time. It's this verse out of Psalm 34. It says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And he saves such as have a contrite spirit. And many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all of his bones. And not one of them is broken Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. Listen, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. And I shared that with the ill and with the well and with the incarcerated. Let me just say this. He's near to the brokenhearted. He's near to you today, right now. And the question is, is do, do you trust him? Does he know what he's doing in your life right now? Can you crown him as king? Can you say, yes, Lord? And you, can you, or would you rather say, look what's happening to me or look what I'm going through or look at my situation? Can I just tell you what the real objective in life is? It's to exude and produce faith in the storm, to truly trust and worship, to trust him in all things. See, in our great days, our beautiful and our blessed days, we sometimes think that God wants us to do a whole bunch of stuff and serve and produce, produce, produce. It's produce what? And oftentimes, we can get so busy doing things for God or in his name that we forget to actually worship and trust and release and put everything, all our hopes in him. And oftentimes, God will allow those blessings and that beauty to fade in order to walk us through the valley of the shadow of death to remind us that he is near, that he's with us. The only thing consistent in life is Jesus. You guys know that, right? You're, you're here today. You're looking for consistency in other things. I just know you. I know you too well. I know myself too well. Well, if I could just get this job, if I could just get this promotion, if I could just get this vehicle, if I could just get this debt paid down, if I could just get this relationship fixed, if I could just get kids, if I could just get my kids out of the house, if I could just, you know, you name it. Here's the deal. When I left Janet Sievers' room, I said, Janet, you, you can't heal yourself. You, you can't do anything. You're there. You got you to gotta just, I said, here's what you can do, though. I said, you can worship God. Not just cliche Christian, cliche trust God, but you can lay here and say, oh, I'm going to worship. I'm going to trust him right now in this place where I don't want to be with my family gathered around the doctor saying, yeah, I'm going I'm to worship him. I said, that's, all, that's what you get to do. You can, produce, you can win right now. You can win right now. 
and produce fruit. And so too in your beauty and blessing days, you can instead of looking to that stuff, you can say, yeah, I'm going to worship God. It's not in my beauty or blessing that defines me. It's not even in my burden or my bad times that defines me. It's in my God the whole time. It's really the Christian maturity that I'm looking for that I know you need to have as well to stay focused on. Do you trust him? Will you worship him? Not just be busy for him because soon this life will pass and only things done for Christ will last. Worship him in spirit and truth on the good days and the bad days, the days when babies are born and the days we just don't understand. It came to pass. And the story just keeps going. Do you guys, I mean, you see this, right? We know it. We celebrate it. There's Christmas cards and Thomas Kincaid paintings and all the rest. In that day, oh, not cool. It came to pass. Not just did it come to pass, verse 1, that's where we're at, but it also came to produce. This is where I kind of, as a type A kind of a, you know, doer, I'm a doer. I like to do stuff. I like to see stuff. When God does something, not only does it come to pass, but it also comes to produce. Whatever you're going through in your life right now, God is not arbitrary and mindless. Instead, he is meticulous and brilliant. Just look at the cosmos. Look at your body. Look at the way things work. God shoved a bunch of stuff inside your guts, and we don't even know what it's there for. Let's throw a gallbladder in there. You know, who knows what that's doing? You know, there's stuff in there, and God's like, I know what it's doing. It ne- I know. Everything counts. It didn't come to stay. It will pass. It doesn't define you. Your God does. But what God is doing right now, you need to like mare mare, hold on to that blessing and say, okay, I'm not quite sure how this is going to work out. I, I, I am kind of frustrated at some things that are going down right now. But if the Lord can produce something out of this, miracles, faith, in her situation, fulfillment of prophecy, I mean, you guys, you Bible students, you know, I'm going to get to it in just a minute, but you know that they actually had to be in Bethlehem. They couldn't have the baby on the road. They couldn't have the baby in Nazareth. It, couldn't, it, it would not be possible because God had declared the baby's going to be born in Bethlehem. It's just the way it is. You have to be in Bethlehem. Now, they didn't put that together yet. Like, uh, they didn't understand that like we do. So too, in your life, you don't understand what God's doing, and you might not even like, and I get that. She, she wasn't sitting in this birthing center, OBGYN cave, you know. When do I get my meals? Is there a meal included here? You didn't even ask for a copay. This is so great. <laughs> nurse, nurse. No. It wasn't happening. It's horrible. It was, it was a bummer. And yet she had enough to hang on to what God was going to do. Let's just read this through. I'm going to study. You guys got to put your, your thinking hats on. Okay, it says, It came to pass, and it came to produce also, in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, in those days, what days were these days? He gives us the timeline and the historians and the kings who were in charge. But you need to understand also what God is doing in his timeline. Those were the days of the Roman rise of political and military power. As a matter of fact, just historically, this was a time of great world peace, okay? I use quotes real heavily. Rome was in total control. There was no war going on at all. Why? Because Rome had threatened every single person in the world. If you want to go to war, we'll kill you brutally. So we're, on, we're good now, right? Just sit down, pay taxes, don't talk, and I won't kill you. Peace. You know, the whole, I'm not messing with you. Like, the Romans were like, hey, we did a pretty good job, you know? And everyone's like, oh, I'm so scared. You know, peace. 
during that time of political rise and control. Not just Rome, but the Greeks, Socrates and Plato and all of their successors were on the scene and wisdom was being worshipped and libraries were being stocked and education was on the rise and it's during that time as well. But not just military and political rise and philosophical and education rise, but also spiritual health. The Jews were still operating their temple, the second temple built by Zerubbabel and reconstructed by Herod. Worship was happening and incense was going up. They still had their freedom to worship. And it's in those days that God says, guess what? None of those things apart from Jesus are going to make you happy. Military, political, wisdom, education, science, spirituality, even personal holiness. None of those things apart from my son Jesus will give you what you really need, that ministry of withness, that is God with us. In Isaiah chapter 7, Jesus is prophesied to be birthed, and his name, he's got seven of them, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. I just love this, because you guys got to get this too. Political power, military insight, eh. Wisdom of the ancients, knowledge, education, eh, spirituality and holiness and posture and pretense, eh, Emmanuel, God with us. Ding, 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 ding. That's it. That's the winner. That's the winner. Emmanuel, God with us. Well, how can I have God with me unless I'm militarily or scientifically or spiritually? He came as a baby, presented to shepherds. He couldn't get any lower, okay? He couldn't go on purpose. He went as low as he could go. Why? To illustrate a point. So you would never miss the fact that not only does he resent and, or should I say represent and present himself to the uttermost, but the guttermost, it's him. Don't miss the small stuff here. It's in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Again, Caesar Augustus, the Roman ruler at the time. I don't want to talk about him too long. He's not that important. The guy was brilliant, but he was very egotistical. When coming up with his name, his name was Gaius Octavius. He's actually the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And truly, you ever meet those brilliant people? Like the real, you're like, okay, you're not just, nor, you're like brilliant. And whether I like you or not, you're still brilliant. There's all these, all kinds of people, like entrepreneurs and all these guys. He was one of those that was absolutely brilliant. Here's one of his quotes. He said, I found Rome, a city of bricks, and I left it a city of marble. Let me change the whole world. Here's another quote of his. I read this a couple of times. The guy was so full of himself. He said this, young men... Hear an old man to whom old men hearkened when he was young. Now, if you really understand this guy, so what he's saying is when I was young, even the old guys wanted to follow me. And it's actually hit true. He actually was, when Julius Caesar saw him, his nephew, he had died. So this guy's got something different going on. This is like the Steve Jobs of the first century. Like, get this guy here. And, let's, and he was able to bring peace in his own ideas to the world. And now upon this day, he commands attacks. I just say that to say this. God was using him just like God uses all people and all things. Even though he was brutal, godless, immoral. When they were choosing names for him, they said, Gaius Octavius, your new name is Caesar. Do you want to be called King Caesar? And he didn't like that. He said, there's kings everywhere, dumb kings. I don't want to be a dumb king. That's a dumb... They said, well, how about dictator? That's a true story. How about... He said, well, dictator seems so, so temporary. Well, you are temporary. Anyways, so that didn't work either. One guy, one of his advisors said, well, how about Caesar Augustus? August one. C 
Caesar of the gods. August divine. He's like, ooh, I like that one. That one's legit. And he took this name, full of himself, very talented, ruling the world. But the ruler of the world was ruling him. And have you ever, you ever pulled a string on a puppet? And the puppet just does what it says exactly what it's programmed to say. When he gives this command to tax the world, okay, he thought he was being the boss, thought he was ruling the world, and really God, who needed to move his kiddos 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, needed to get them there somehow. How easy do you think it would be to get your nine-month pregnant wife to go on a donkey ride? <laughs> Honey, I just got this, I kind of want to go to Bethlehem. They got a Starbucks just opened up there, and I know it's 80 miles away, three, four, five, six days walk. I know you're about to pop, but they got this great cave over there, you know? <laughs> you're never going to do it! And so God allowed, orchestrated, and overrode the political powers of that day. And some would stand by and say, how did Octavius Gaius become the ruler in the Caesars? How is this even happening? All the Jews at that time, super objective. Objective, objecting to this reality. This is horrible. How did this guy get an office? This can't be right. This is a big mistake. This is horrible. Listen, God rules over all, and he uses all rulers in all, all the time. Romans chapter 13 declares specifically that there is no person in authority that God has not placed there for his own doings, what God is going to accomplish through them. Well, it's just amazing to me. All the people should be registered. Well, the census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Verse 2, we made it to verse 2. Okay, hold on, we're going to keep going here. Uh, Luke the scholar adds this little piece of historical evidence because he is meticulous like all doctors should be. He's very thoughtful, and he wants to make sure this is a historical document. And I say that to you critics out there or you evangelists out there who share with people. Who are like, well, I don't know if I believe at all because it was written by man Blah, blah, blah. Listen, it is never, I've said this a hundred times, I'll say it a thousand more. It is never for the lack of evidence that people reject the Bible or God. You say it is. Well, if he would prove it, he's done it. Well, if it were true, it is. Well, if they could, he has. The reason why people, you hear critics today, reject God is not because he hasn't given you enough. He's given you plenty. The reason is... Centric to all humanity, it's pride and sin. I don't want God to rule over me. That's just the bottom line. I don't want to subject myself to, I'm, I am God, okay? One of my friends on Facebook yesterday, don't go stalking, had this crazy idea, this crazy thing about doing what you feel. Just do what you feel. If it feels right, do it. If it feels wrong, don't do it. And when I do that, I go to jail, Okay. <laughs> I want to do this. What? No, stop. Time out. You know, there's some rules out there. Don't just do what you want. Anyways. Well, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now... They had to get there because Micah 5.2 declared that they would be there in Bethlehem when the baby was born. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12 is an interesting verse. I think you could meditate on it in many different translations. But loosely what it says is that God is going to hasten his word to perform it. He's going to do what he said. He promised the baby would be born in Bethlehem. How? However he needs to whether it's through Caesar Augustus, through a taxation, through a donkey ride, through a nine-month... Imagine if they would have been able to get to Bethlehem, check in, pay taxes, and get home in time. 
That's a good plan, too. Come on, honey, we got to do a turnaround, turn and burn. We're doing this. we got to do it quick. Don't want to go to jail. God times it perfectly. No, no. You're going to get hung up there, and it's going to be a picture of who I am and what I'm doing. God is able to make whatever he has declared come to pass, and not just come to pass, but come to produce as well. So he uses the paying of taxes during this season, which, by the way, would be something to consider while you're paying taxes during this season as well. God used it then. Here's the deal. I've said it a hundred times, or no, I'm sorry, I've said it a bunch this morning, that this wouldn't have been easy, they wouldn't have been excited, this would have been difficult. Yet let me remind you that they were in God's will, they were experiencing his power, and they had God's favor. You know that, right? They have a baby, a miraculous baby. Angels have shown up. The whole thing's legit. We didn't see it, but Joseph has been visited by angels as well in other gospels. They're, they're, click, they're, they're in God's will, with God's favor, experiencing God's power. And yet they got to do hard stuff. Pay attention, please, especially you servants of the Lord, you Christians. This is where I kind of find my train start to get off the track and the plane experience turbulence and the car experience resistance. As I'm moving with the Lord, I feel like I'm in God's will and have his favor and I'm experiencing his power. And then hard stuff happens. You get the bill or you get the doctor or you get the relationship or you get the offense or you have the sin or you have the stuff. You're like, what is this? I thought it was, <laughs> why is this hard? And if you're too, too American and listen to too much TBN or TBN at all, you, know, you guys know what that means. <laughs> it, it, What's going to happen is, is you're going to believe a gospel that says if you're in God's will, experiencing his favor and walking in his power, it's going to be easy. He's going to provide all your needs and it's going to be one clean stepping stone after another. Listen, God is going to accomplish his will with his power and his favor in your life. He's going to do it, but it's going to be hard at times. Don't confuse the hardness, the difficulties to give you an excuse to excuse God's will for your life. Have you, don't raise your hand. Have you done this before? You're in God's will. You have his favor. You're walking in his power. All of a sudden, something difficult happens. Like, well, beans on this then, and you start to do it your way. Give in to sin and temptation. Cast off restraint. Get an attitude and get weird. I'll raise my hand for you. <laughs> and I'm not saying that their conversation on the way to Bethlehem was awesome. It doesn't say. We could just imagine that they're humans. <laughs> you ever been around a fully pregnant woman? <laughs> a lot going on there. A lot going on there. I was at all three births for my children. I'm lucky to have my fingers. They almost got bit off a few times. So, <laughs> too much, too much information. Here's the deal. Even in the midst of God's will, power, and favor, they had to grind it out hard. Okay? And they had to sacrifice and serve and work hard. And for me, this is a good word because I can easily just get tired and exhausted and, and I can come up against roadblocks and uncertainties and difficulties and challenges and I, and I can just get weird. And I can get then ju justified and lazy. And, and, or you can man up, woman up, armor up, suit up, and realize what's happening. Okay, okay, got to fight. Throughout the scriptures, every man, every woman that's ever called to the battle, to God's favor, to God's will had to show up to the plate and start swinging hard, okay? Don't, don't, don't mistake difficulty and sacrifice for God saying, yeah, I'm done, I've failed, give up. Because what happens is people walk away from relationships, they walk away from churches, they walk away from, from 
friends. They walk away from their guidelines when things get difficult. Don't do that. Okay? Be careful of your Christianity, what you've believed and how you think it's going to go. And, and be careful of how Satan twists you and tweaks you to think that all things are against you. And I love you guys. I love, I love being a part of your lives and what you guys go through. And I see some of the stuff, like I said, I, the, the things, people's lives are nuts. Your, your lives are nuts. Mine too. And yet God is good throughout the whole time. And we get to fly that flag. We get to keep going. He goes to the city of Bethlehem. This is uh, the house of bread. It's what uh, Bethlehem literally means. How perfect that uh, it would be King David's city where Jesus would be born. And uh, we see here in verse 6, it says, so it was. I just like that. So it was. That's why? Because he declared it. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. He said it. That settled it. And now we see it. And she brought forth her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths. Again, she did this all herself. Laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, do you think at all that they anticipated that this would be the most famous and well-known scene in our mind's eye? The manger? Stable. Do you think? Everyone. Everyone. Every, it's in people's yards, okay? Every single year with lights. Manger scenes. There's not much else that gets in people's yards, Okay, worldwide. Think they knew that then? Well, make sure and don't do this wrong, Joseph. They're gonna model us, you know, and stand right here and put the shepherds right there and put the snowman right there. No snowman. It's not even. De- it wasn't even December when we go in there, but you know, whatever. That's a whole other. Okay. It was a difficult time for them. There was no room. Can you imagine going to your hometown with your espoused wife crazy story no this is you guys are i know I, I know we're not married yet we're close we're gonna she's married i know pregnant and the timing and the weird i know god's favor and his power and like whatever dude i mean you can imagine joseph and mary showing up trying to explain it to their their bethlehem family this is where they're from they didn't they didn't call thomas kincaid paint this this is great this is a good day for us there's no room, no support. And I would just ask you, are you in a difficult time? Are things hard and cold and feel like there's no room for you either? Just at all, just like, I don't know, man, this is just, this is weird. Life's just not going the way I thought it would. Right, right now, right now, I feel like I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. Okay, this too shall pass. And this too shall produce. God is still good. Your objective is to worship. And to trust him, to truly trust him, to labor to enter into his rest. Not to fix it, not, not to even understand it, just ponder it, just hold it in your heart. He is good. That is the bottom line, and you get to worship him because of that. All of this makes sense. It didn't just come to pass, it came to produce. Look at this picture of her son put in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. Fulfilling, or should I say foretelling and fulfilling his birth which was in order to die. Here's the deal. You all know that you Christians, you get this. Jesus came to die. He actually didn't come to live. He came not to live. Some people actually think Jesus came to live and show us the way, okay? Become an example, okay? Did you know that Jesus is the way? He didn't show us the way, okay? Please get this. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, not the ways of Jesus. Now, when you get Jesus in your life, you walk in the ways of Jesus, yes, but he, he said, no, I'm actually, I am the door. I am the bread. I am the vine. I am it. 
Every other leader before Jesus or after Jesus was interrupted by their death. You know that, right? Death robbed them of their ministry, robbed them of their potential, robbed them of their message. Confucius, Buddha, Mohammed, robbed by death. Death conquered them. Christ, born, wrapped up like a mummy and put on a stone block. Praise the Lord. Jesus knowing, hey, you know, I'm not here to live. I'm here to die. Not an accident. The only way, the Savior, the angel when he declares who was born, didn't say it's a, a servant or a coach. Behold, Christ the coach, you know. Christ, Christ the mentor. <laughs> Savior. It's a big word. There's no room for him. And the reason there was no room for him, uh, primarily, I'll just say this quickly and move on, is because of the crowding in Bethlehem. It's too crowded. And I would just say for Americans, this is a big word, okay? How's your, how's your inn? Is there room for Jesus? They found room in a stable with animals and animal droppings and garbage and dirt and all that. That wasn't what kept him out. He's, he was fine with that. What disallowed him to enter into people's lives was just crowding. Crowding. If Satan can't make you bad, okay, he will make you busy. Okay, so for all you moralists out there who are doing super good, you're dry, clean, sober, you don't, you know smoke or chew or go with girls that do or you know, whatever, <laughs> fill in the blanks. Listen, that's fine, don't, whatever. But if you're busy, this is a big word for me because I'm, I'm busy. I, I, kinda, I thrive on busyness, and Satan loves that. There's no room. They're just crowded. Verse uh, 8, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Not just some people, not just the Jews, that would make sense, just the Jewish nation. Okay, the Jews were very spiritual and very centric in God's promises. And this angel says, just to everybody. And I'm going to demonstrate it by going to you guys, the, the guttermost. Just so you know, shepherds in that time, uh, most of us think they're cool because we've seen Christmas pageants. How many of you guys were a shepherd as a kid? You know, you were the shepherd, right on. I'll be the shepherd. I'll be the... Eh, shepherds aren't cool. They're the worst. I'm not messing with you. Jewish shepherds couldn't vote. They couldn't worship in the temple. They were ceremonially unclean. Okay, not just ceremonially unclean. Okay, they were really unclean. They smelled like sheep poo, okay? These guys were right there. They were, they were considered unclean, and they actually were unclean. I mean, for real. They couldn't give their testimony in a court of law, which is interesting. Just, just think that through with me. The angel is going to give the first testimony of Christ to be delivered to people, to people who were not trusted. In the court of law, if a shepherd would say, yeah, I saw, I saw it this way and it went down that way, they said, we can't trust you, you're a liar. And God says, I'm going to go to them to be the first heralds of the good news. Crazy, the gospel. All of this is to demonstrate and illustrate how good news works. It is to all people. Um, not only that, is, uh, they were just not able to, like I said, give testimony, they weren't trusted. And God tells them first, not the priests, not the Caesar, not anybody, but instead he tells the outcast. Can I just say carefully that I believe that's why the gospel message is, in my opinion, being accepted by dozens and hundreds of peoples on the Lincoln County coast? Because there's a lot of shepherds, a lot of people who 
have blown it, a lot of people who have made mistakes, a lot of people who would not be trusted. And God says, I got a big message for you. I, that's, you're my people. You're the ones. I, and Jesus would say blatantly, I didn't come for the, the well. I came for the sick. I came for the hurting. And if you're a Christian here today, you need to really embrace that this coming year, that God wants to reach the, the addiction community, the people in our community that have been lost, that have been taken out, that are being held hostage. And let the Lord soften our hearts towards the guttermost and the uttermost. It's demonstrated right here upon the birth of Jesus. Look how these guys respond. Verse 11, the message continues, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel, or with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Just don't, don't forget these angels. When they saw the good news, when they heard the message, when they understood it, worship. I was praying with the worship team this morning before we began and when you understand the good news, when you understand God's character, whether it's leading worship, singing worship, going to a counseling meeting, going to work, repenting of sin, giving of your tithe and offering, forgiving someone or being forgiven, whatever it is God calls you to, when you see the gospel plan, you're set free to do it. You're set free to walk in it. Well, these angels did just that. Verse 15 so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Stop right there, eyes up here. Listen, when Jesus becomes real to you, it changes everything. You know that, right? Most of you have this in your experience. Jesus changes everything. It changes the way you date the opposite sex. It changes the way you spend your time and money. It changes what you fear and what you hope in. It changes everything about you because Jesus is real. These shepherds were there. They got the news. They could have just said, no way. For real? Man, thank you. They did two things. They went with haste and they found. Okay, That word found literally means they had to seek. They had to work. They had to look. Can I just say two things? They made haste. They didn't wait. They said, if this is the real deal, I'm going to investigate. I'm going to find. I'm going to make this change in my life. And I remember all the changes I made when Jesus became real to me. I made haste. This, this, this drug addiction, this has to go. And I broke that off through God's help. And this lifestyle choice and this idea of promiscuity, that needs to be repented of and healed from in Jesus' name. And this idea over here and this pride and sin in my life and, and you as believers in Jesus, everything changes little by little. And you have to do it quickly, dare I say, or should I say with energy, but also with a commitment. When you first got saved, this is how it was. You made haste and you found him. It was like, you guys remember when, when you first got saved? Like you couldn't get enough. You couldn't get enough. Can I speak to the older Christians now? This needs to be your continued approach. Okay? Don't wait. Don't wait. The devil wants you to slow down in your pursuit of Jesus. He wants you to slow down in your devotion and your, your service. He wants you just to back off, man. And he also doesn't want you to work as hard. He just doesn't. He doesn't want you to, oh, I've done that. I've been there. I've read that book. And listen, don't do it. Follow these shepherds' example. 
It says, verse 17, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. This is how it is today's culture. When you experience something good, when you discover something right, when you go to that restaurant that's so good, what do you do? Okay? You check in on Facebook and you take a selfie. Yeah! You know, you say, dude, this food is so good! And then you take a foodie, which is a picture of your food, and you post that too. You don't keep it to yourself. These shepherds, okay, they leave and they start to, what it says, tell every single person. Look at verse 18. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. I just, evangelists, please listen. When you know Jesus, you got to share him. What people do with that, though, not your problem. Okay, get over it. If, that, if, if what they do with it's your problem, you have a problem. Okay, you're in trouble. You won't share. Okay, because there's critics and weirdos and bullies. There's people out there. Listen, just share. The sower sows the word, goes to bed, wakes up, there's fruit. I don't even know what happened. Read it. A couple of my good, good friends, Andy Cowan and Adam Pearson. Andy Cowan got saved, gave his life to Jesus. Adam Pearson is a skater, crazy person, was my roommate college days. And Andy and Adam met up. And Andy was real serious that I got to talk to you, Adam. These guys were rebel rousers, man. Brought him into the kitchen, sat down. He said, I've given my life to Jesus. And Adam Pearson tells the story. He said, when he told me he gave his life to Jesus, the, the, the lights turned on and the scales dropped. And Adam Pearson, a born Jew, pointed at him and said, that's it. It's Jesus. It's, that's what I've been looking for with the bottle. That's what I've been looking for with the things. And it's Jesus. And that's simple. I gave my life to Jesus. You don't know how they're going to respond. The people took this word and responded. Verse 19, two more verses and we're done. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. We esteem her super high, but she didn't know the end. I'll have the worship team come up and join us now at this time. She didn't know and you don't know the end either. Can I just encourage you? Take what you do know, okay? And hold it for what you don't know. And worship him and trust him for what he's going to do. Last verse, verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen as it was told him. These shepherds had seen the Messiah as a baby, not understanding the future, not understanding how he would die for their sins and be buried and raised again the third day, but they had enough from the angels. This is good news. You know what I like about the shepherds the most? They made haste. They found him. They told people. Then they went to work. They just went back to work. This is so normal. This is so legit. You guys are here right now. You guys spent 90 minutes here this morning. Thank you. Now you're going to go out and be normal. Okay? Can, I, can you be normal for me? Let's all be normal. Radically normal. And live our lives glorify our God, share the Savior, and let the truth be the truth. The whole of Scripture is a series of prophecies and fulfillments, declarations and reality. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, in Jesus' name now, we have been in your word, looked at this text, this old text, Lord, very familiar. And Lord, we desire now for faith to grow from this text. You said that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And Lord, I pray that our muscle of faith would be strengthened today for the men and women, the hurting, the wounded, the ones right now that like Mary on the road to Bethlehem would say, are you even sure this is right? 
Are you sure God is with us? Man, this is hard. I thought it would be easier. Or maybe when they got to Bethlehem, hey God, this is your son, didn't you make reservations? La Quinta Inn's booked. And you might be saying, Lord, I, I'm, your, I'm your kid. I feel like there's no room. I feel like it's not going my way. And that is where you get your one job description to worship him. That is your one job description. It is he who produces fruit. It is he who does miracles. It's he that does things. It is you who get the choice to worship. That is your one job description. Whether you're beautiful and blessed or beaten and battered. So, Father, it is in Jesus' name that we worship you in spirit and in truth. We worship you at the table of communion. We worship you, Lord, in repentance and receiving. We worship you, Lord, in serving and seeking. We worship you, Lord. We are a mess. Life is a mess. The rulers around us are a mess. Everything's a mess. And yet we worship you. We trust you. May we hold the things that we do know dear to our hearts for the things that we don't know. Be glorified in this time as we come to the table. We celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen.